Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. Well, not everybody, you know. Um, we have a uh, gift for you guys on the way out. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I'd like to in particularly thank all the mothers that are currently serving back with the babies and those who came in early to serve on Mother's Day. I think, guys, um, I probably should think about that ahead of time. And remind me for next year, we can pick it up, I think. Um, all right. Um, so good morning. I'm Jonathan. If you're a guest here, welcome. Um, I'm one of the pastors here at the Crossing Church, and we've been going through a series called Crazy Things Jesus Said. And the point of this is that we are looking at um, the things that we probably would gloss over, the things that we would go, well, I don't really understand that, or maybe that seems a little extreme. And so that was probably hyperbole or exaggeration. And so we're going to kind of just push that to the side. We're going to focus on the things that are very, very easy to understand, easy to digest. Maybe even we go to the things that are easy to accomplish and we go, I like those. Those are easier. Those, are, those make me feel a little bit better. What we're going to read this morning is one that honestly I didn't actually, so we planned this sermon series, I don't know, um, uh, six months ago or so. And I, I jumbled it all around this week because I was like, you know, I, well, I had read a book um, that I would highly recommend. It's called Until Unity by Francis Chan. It's, it's, it's crazy good. Um, and, and as I was reading through it, I realized something that I don't think I ever really realized before. Um, God calls us to be one in a way that is absolutely insane. It's, and I don't even want to use the term unity because unity is like the United States of America, right? Well, <laughs> let's not use that as an example, right? And so this word unity becomes kind of watered down. And what we're going to read in Scripture, he doesn't use the word unity. He uses, uses the word oneness, like one flesh oneness, like oneness in the same oneness that the Trinity dwells oneness. Well, that's a, that's a whole different level, <laughs> of what he's calling us to be. And so this morning, uh, that's what we're going to be digging into. So if you have Bibles, or uh, I would highly encourage you, we're just going to be really going through John 17, 20 through 23. The verses will be on the screen, but if you have them on your phone, or if you brought a Bible with you, I'd really encourage you guys to open up, because we're going to be kind of dissecting this kind of verse by verse, because what Jesus does here is he really lays it out for us really clearly. He, he tells us what he wants, what it ought to look like, and how it's going to get accomplished, and then why. I mean, and, and, it's, and it's really, it was an easy sermon to write because I didn't write it because Jesus wrote it. And so all I have to do is just kind of read it, right? Um, and so that's what we're going to be doing this morning. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to come before you, to open up your word, to dwell on what you've um, provided for us. God, help us not to read these words as just recommendations or as advice, but I pray that this morning that we would read these for what they are. They are our life. They are our fuel. They are what you want for us. They are the best thing for us. And God, so as we're challenged this morning, I pray that you would wrap us in your arms and in your love and encourage us and remind us as we go through all of this that you are the power behind this and that everything that we do is for your glory alone. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So John 17, um, verse 20. Well, 
So I've got, I've got the kids in here, so I'm going to do a little bit of an object lesson too, okay? So uh, if you're kindergarten through fifth grade, uh, hopefully I'll make this a little bit entertaining for you guys and, and, uh, and try to keep this thing moving along. But the, the first thing, and I'm glad nobody moved this because it's kind of random, but so I want you, I, I actually happened to watch a How It's Made on YouTube like last night, uh, on, and it was on chains, and it was fascinating, by the way. <laughs> Very simple thing, but very fascinating to watch how these things are made. But what's interesting is that each one of these things comes from just a little strip of metal. And you've got these, like, six machines that they slowed it down so you can watch it. And you're like, and it's one of those very satisfying things to watch. And I probably watched it for way longer than somebody should watch something, some machines doing the same thing over and over again. I don't know if that says something about me. But, um, but these are all little independent segments. They're all completely separate. Just like us, right? And these machines go and they just, I, I mean, I can't do all of the motions at once, but, but basically it rolls this thing and comes out and then it bends it around and then it pushes it and then it goes to the next one, bends it around, pushes it. Once these things are linked, theoretically, they don't come apart, right? Depends on how strong the chain is, I guess, right? And so this is, this is what God is doing, Right? I mean, this is, when he talks about us being one, this is a chain, I think. <laughs> Didn't really look at it, but I'm glad it came out as one. Um, this is a chain. Like, this is a singular thing, right? If I said, hey, go grab me the chain, you'd bring me the chain. Yeah. Have, has anybody ever asked you for a chain link? <laughs> I mean, you might find one orphaned somewhere by itself, broken off, and you go, oh, poor poor chain link, <laughs> right? It's now useless. What do you use a chain link for? Nothing, right? You try to bend it back together and maybe you, you mold it and you try to make it work. Or if it's a necklace, right? You're doing this on the microscopic scale like I've done a billion times for my girls. Um, right? So, so that's, that's what I want you guys to be thinking about as we go through this. What is this oneness? What does this look like? We are all chains in this link that, that God is building together for a purpose. All right, so John chapter 17, verse 20. Um, this is what's often referred to as the high priestly prayer. So Jesus is going to God. This is, uh, this is before his crucifixion. And he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Okay. So we're going to step, actually, I'm sorry, I'm going to read through the whole thing. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. That really just preaches itself, doesn't it? I mean, he's really clear. And, here, and here's the amazing part of this. So, this is, so just prior to this, right, he starts off, he says, I do not ask for these only. Well, if you read in verses 6 through 19, what Jesus is doing is he's praying for the disciples. He's praying for the apostles, right? And he prays for them. And then he says, I'm not just praying for them. I'm praying for actually everybody that's going to believe through their word, right? Through, through the word that they've been given, right? As, as apostles and disciples of Christ, they then spread. So who is that? Well, at this point, a couple thousand years later, 
That's everybody that believes, right? Like they were the, the nucleus, if you will, of this dispersion of the gospel. And so this is everybody. This is everybody, independent of where they live, independent. This is everybody that calls Christ their savior. And that's who he's talking about, right? Like that is specifically who Jesus is referring to in this context. And so the question for us is, do we see it as that? You know, it's funny, as I, as I was prepping for this sermon, very much of this was about denominational differences. It was, it was very hard for me to find something not about denominational differences. And, and in reality, if you look at his, history past of the church, I, I read a history book um, a few years back that was about the denominations um, in America, like as, as they came over and then kind of what happened. And it's, it's sobering and it's sad. And, and the denominations, it's kind of ironic now because now we don't divide over theological differences. We divide over no, nothing stuff. I, I mean, I wouldn't even give it a name. It's, it's peripheral. It's junk. It's, it's meaningless things that, that divide us. At least, I mean, well, maybe, maybe not at least, but I mean, they're shedding blood over how to baptize, <laughs> right? Now we're like, I mean, we almost went to sprinkling because we had a hard time filling the straw up. Thanks, Gene. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I said in our chat, I'm like, maybe this is why they went to sprinkling. <laughs> it would be way more logistically convenient. <laughs> Sorry. But look, my point is in this, and, and maybe some of you are like, man, that, that's a really serious doctrine. Maybe. Maybe, but, but are we, are we going to break unity over that? And I, and I say that in a, in a flippant way because we ought to be able to. When we disagree about things, we ought to be able to, to move past that. There's, I mean, if, if all believers, all followers of Christ are to be one with us, let me ask you this. The Christian that's in the underground church in Iran, you're supposed to be just as one with them as you are with the person sitting next to you. Right? And so we got to ask our, ourselves, well, then, what does that mean? How, how? I mean, because that kind of waters it down, doesn't it? I mean, if I don't know them, how could I possibly be one with them? And I think that's a fair question. And I think that's a challenge for all of us. Because as you guys look around the room, you're like, I don't know who those people are. I don't know who those people are. That's not where we, I, I would love for us all to know everybody, and God willing, at some point we will. We, we shrunk the church down a little bit in the walls, right? So we're forcing everybody to see everybody now. <laughs> but I mean, ultimately, we ought to be one in the same sense. And so we're going to kind of dissect what that looks like. Or I think, I mean, let me just ask this question. Who do you hang out with? People that are a lot like you, you know, people that really, I mean, I mean, by definition of where we live, right, you're going to live near your neighbors, right? So there's, there's some of these things that, that we create, and, and not, that, not that there's anything wrong with it, but like we're going to create friendships with people that we're hanging out with, people that our kids do sports with, people that we work with. 
right? Like this is how these things come together. So the question for us as followers of Christ is the ask is much bigger. And so what we need to ask ourselves is, well, then how? How does this actually happen? And why? And and explain to us, God, what this actually means. Because the reality is is that Jesus is asking this, right? And in 1 John, we we read that if we ask anything in accordance with God's will, that, that we can be assured that we'll receive it. So do you think Jesus' prayer is going to be received? I mean, he's praying for us. This isn't some ethereal hypothetical, and this is is tough, and this is where I struggled, right? Because I go, no, unity, oneness. I I don't think anybody disagrees with that, right? Everybody would be like, yeah, that sounds good. But I think we reserve it to this place of hypothetical, like, yeah, I mean, maybe eventually or somehow, some way this would happen. This is the son of God saying, actually, really, I want this to happen. And God says that he is going to make happen what is requested of him if it's in accordance with his will. And so the question is, is as Jesus utters this off of his lips, the second it came off, it had authority and power. It's possible. And it's not for eternity. It's not for the, the bygone days or, you know, some crazy thing in the future. It's for now. And so all of us need to be challenged to say, and I, and I totally love myself into this, where I go, do I pursue this? And I think it's a good question for all of us. Do I see oneness with other believers of Christ as an important part of my life. Because if we're not careful, we fall into this, this little rut that says, well, I'm good. I'm a believer in Christ. And I've got this little circle, and eventually I'll be in heaven. And we think, well, I guess that's it. That's not what Jesus gives us here. So let's look at what this actual oneness is. Look at uh, John chapter 17, verse 21. He says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Anybody want to explain the Trinity? That is what Jesus uses to explain to us what our oneness should be like. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Right? Like, if there's, a, if there's something that's been historically debated for ever since God revealed to us his essence is where does Christ stop and the Father start and what's the work of the Holy Spirit versus the work of the Father and the Son and, and who sent the Holy Spirit? Was it the Father or the Son? And, right? I mean, like, the debates go on and on and on about where the... Why? Because they're one in essence, and three persons. And, and we go, I, I can say that, but I don't really know what that means. I mean, I read scripture and I, I, I dig into it and, and it's, in, it's confusing and it's difficult because, it's on, because God operates and exists on a level that we don't operate on. But that's the analogy that he uses for us. Right? Where does one of us stop and the other one start? What are you doing that's also me doing it? And you, right? Like if we, if we take out the, word, the, the names here and we go, well, if our oneness is supposed to be the same, then, then we all ought to be doing 
the same things. We ought to be going in the same direction because we know that, right? Jesus was living in accordance with God's will. And so, are we going in the same direction? Maybe that's the best way for us to communicate. That chain can't go in different directions. It can't. I mean, eventually it'll break, right? And then you have two chains. <laughs> that chain all moves together in the same direction every time it moves. And you see, I think the problem with our oneness is not that we don't disagree with this or we like division. It's that we pursue things that are focused on ourselves. Right? Because if I'm pursuing something for me and that's not a benefit to you, or, or you're pursuing this way and I want to pursue this way, we have, there's a problem here. We're going in different directions. So what's the direction in your life? What are you pursuing? Comfort? Sports? Jobs? I mean, I mean we, could, we could go on and on and on about what this looks like. Maybe you're really passionate about something. And so you're pouring all of your energy into this, and, and this person over here is really passionate about this. I, I think this is, without getting too far into uh, the depths of society right now, I think we've got a, a, a differing compassions, right? Like, not that we are lacking in compassion, but that pe some people's compassions over here and some people's compassions over here. Well, we all have a finite amount of emotional I don't even know what to say, right? Uh, we only have so much emotion we can use. And so I have, to, I have to parse this out, right? And a good deal of my emotion goes towards my family, to you all, a little bit to my job, less and less. <laughs> Sorry, that's live. <laughs> right? And, and, and so the question, though, is like, well, what, what are we pursuing? And if we're all pursuing different things, well, then how are we ever going to be one? But what's the common bond between Christ and the Father? A single will. A single direction. A single pursuit. The rescue of, sal the rescue of mankind. Salvation for humanity, right? Like, that's what their purpose was. And so what we need to be looking at is, what is our purpose? Like, I mean, what is the meaning of life? Why ought we, I don't even know what to say. Why should we be living? Like, what, when we're pursuing something, we need to ask ourselves, is this what God wants us to be pursuing? And, and am I doing this with others? Am I part of this chain? Or am I trying to break and go in a different direction. You see, I mean, if you really think about it, and, and uh, honestly, in, in this book, Francis Chan, has a, it, it's an interesting chapter. It's a little, little tough. I don't know that I fully agree with everything that he said in there. I definitely don't fully agree with everything he said in there. But, um, but he talks about how the world has affections, Right? And their affection, and, and part of salvation, right, the good news of Jesus Christ is that he actually comes in and changes 
the way we feel about things, right? He, he actually changes our affections and, and creates in us a desire for his purposes. Like that's, that's why it's not about works. That's why it's not about us doing uh, enough good things. It's because Christ has actually changed in us who we are. And so we want to pursue these things. The, the taste for sin and rebellion is a foul taste in our mouths. I mean, at least that's how it ought to be, and that's, that's the direction that God's moving in, and, and things start to taste worse and worse as time goes on, but not to the outside world. And so the question is, is if, if they're pursuing this and we're pursuing this, how, how, do we, how do we relate? How, do we, how can we be united with that? But inside, those who are followers of Christ, we ought to be one purpose, one direction. But I would argue the church is probably the most divided thing that there is right now. Not right now, for a long time. Look at John chapter 17, verse 22. It says, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me. Perfectly one. What, what's his formula for this? Because here, here's, here's, I think, our problem, right? Is if we want to be one, we go, well, how? How do I do that? The real quick, easy answer is, die to self. I mean, that's, that's, that's the, and, and we'll get to that at the end. That's the Galatians 2.20 part of this, right? Where you go, are we pursuing our own objectives or are we pursuing the objectives of our Father? And, but he gives you a recipe here in verse 22. He says, the glory that you have given me. So Jesus is saying that the glory that God has given to him, I, Jesus, has given to them. That's us. So God has given Jesus this glory, and Jesus has given this to us, that we may be one. So God's glory is the thing, the fuel behind us. It's not that you have to try harder. It's that God's glory is the power behind us. So that word glory, it means it's uh, doxa, and uh, I probably pronounced that wrong, in Greek. And it, and it actually means like brilliance. In fact, the stars are referred to as glory, right? I think you probably, we've probably sang it in the songs before, right? The, the glory of the stars type of thing. And, and it's the same word. And so the point is, is that, that it's this brilliance. And so when we're glorifying God, we're pointing to God and we're saying he's radiant. He's brilliant. He is worthy of glory. He is glory. Okay, well... How does, that, how does that apply to us, right? We'll turn over to um, 2 Corinthians 3.18, or write it, in the, write it in the margin if you've got it in your Bible open. Paul says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image 
from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. God is transforming us. He is conforming us to the image of his Son. And so when, when people see us, right, we ought to be reflecting that same glory of God, right? Like, like we're not perfect. We're going to be jacked up. But, but more and more as we're living our lives, like we are going to be reflecting Christ. And if you're reflecting Christ and I'm reflecting Christ and you're reflecting Christ, right? Like now that, that glory that, that we all share, that, we're, that God is transforming us more into the image of his son, we are becoming one. We are, we are refining our pursuits. Our pursuits are becoming one pursuit. That. See, instead of our pursuits being every which way, if our desire is to glorify God, well, if that's your desire and that's my desire and that's your desire, well, then we're all going in the same direction. And now that chain, we're united. All right, the last point here, why? Why does God want us to be united? And I, and I think, why, why does he want us to be one? And I think this is the toughest part. Because this is the one that, that ought to convict us, that ought to say, this is the purpose. This isn't just some nice to have. This isn't like, hey, you know, PhD level Christian, you know, when you get to this, when you get to this level of uh, follower of Christ, you know, now you start pursuing unity. But, but you know what I mean? Like, down, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's not, it, it's kind of this great, good, nice to have. It's an add-on. I don't really need this oneness. That's not what Jesus says here. In fact, he says in verse um, 21, I'm not sure what I have on the slides up there, but it says, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And then he says it again in verse 23, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. So why does God want us to be one? Because it makes things easier? so that Christ will be glorified. I, I really want us to, to slow down and just read this for a second. Our oneness declares to the world that Christ is the Son of God. What else, what else declares that Christ is the Son of God? I mean, what words? Rational arguments. Honestly, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of places where Scripture is so clear. And this is why I think this falls into this definition of crazy things that Jesus said. Because our oneness as followers of Christ, not just at the Crossing Church, right? We're talking about the, the oneness of believers everywhere, independent of their, their race, independent of where they live on the globe, independent of their language, independent of any of those things, our oneness declares that Christ is God, that Christ is our Savior. So what are we pursuing? If, if I want to go in this direction... 
and you guys want to go in this direction. I say you guys. That's horrible. So <laughs> think through my metaphors here a little bit better. If, if one of us wants to go in this direction and one of us wants to go in this direction, do we realize the consequence of that? Right? I mean, I'll, I'll just give a little logic statement here, right? If we are one, then Christ is declared the creator of the universe, right? If we are not one, then what? What happens then? If we're divided, if we're just as divided as the world is divided, what does that say about Jesus' prayer? What did I say at the beginning? If Jesus prayed this, and he has the power, and he's in accordance with God's will, and Scripture says that if we ask something in God's will, he will give it to us, and if Jesus asked this, then it ought to happen. And so if it doesn't happen, what does that mean about Jesus' words? And so I ask again, if we're trying to go in different directions, if we're trying to pursue things other than the glory of God in our lives, it's not just your life that's being affected. We're one chain. We're united in Christ, right? We're getting ready to baptize Emma and Michael today. And what, what, what baptism is, is this, it's this symbolism, right? That like they've already become united with Christ, right? And that's what Romans says, like, like Paul says in Romans, that, that we are united, we are buried with Christ. And we're symbolizing that being buried with Christ and being raised to new life. And so we use that term made new, and that's exactly what, we are, what they are declaring today. And so they're jumping onto this chain. Well, they already have jumped onto this chain. They're just, they're just demonstrating it, right? And so the question for us is then, what then do we owe them? How, how does that change our relationship with them? Does that change our relationship with them? How do we move as one body? How do we move united in Christ? I don't want us to think that that is just some nice to have It's not. That unity, this oneness that Jesus prays for is required. And the only way it happens is if we die to ourselves. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Can we say that? That, that my desires, it's not, it's not that... I, you know, it's that my desires, my affections, my pursuits, what I want has been crucified with Christ. I don't live now to those. I don't want to live now to those. I do live to those. I don't want to live to those. And so the question is for us, like, are we in that same bucket? Because if we are, then great, awesome. Because what's the world going to see? They're going to see a oneness of believers. A oneness that can't be explained. A oneness that pursues the glory of God. 
in our church, in our lives, in all of our circles, that our affections are the same. Now, that doesn't mean we're all going to be the same people, right? We're not like robots. We're different, but we're united. We all have different gifts, and we can go into all of Scripture and see just how clearly God uses and gifts, gifts each one of us differently so that we can be used. I mean, and he refers to the church as his body. One body, one direction, one mind, one faith, one baptism. That's what he says. And that's what we're called to. So, so here, here's, what I would, here's what I would offer today. How, how, what do we do with this? Because <laughs> it seems too big. It really does seem too big. And, and honestly, I struggled with this part of the sermon because I'm like, okay, I agree. Now what? And I don't know the now what. I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't know how this applies to us other than what we, it's the empathy that we ought to have for one another. It's when, when one person is struggling, right? Like there's people struggling in our church right now. You know, are we struggling with them? That's oneness, right? Because some people's minds right now are consumed with certain things. And so we ought to be consumed with them, right? Loving them, caring for them. You know, and, and when they rejoice, we ought to be rejoicing with them. Listen, I, I am probably the most individualistic person <laughs> you could meet. Like, I, yeah, anyway. <laughs> but the individualism of, honestly, our culture, um, predominantly, but I think of humanity in general, as we've, as we've got all these tools and, and resources available to us, I, we, I don't need you guys. I don't think I do until the problems become real problems. And then those relationships, that oneness of purpose becomes more necessary than we could ever imagine. And so I just encourage each of us here to go, and, this, and I know there's guests here visiting and stuff, and I would just encourage you, like, wherever you're at, whatever church home you have, and, and you know, and I know we've talked about this before, but, you know, people that are tuning in on, on YouTube, you know, like, that's great, I don't mind, but you need to be plugging into a church where you're at, because a screen isn't, it doesn't do it. it the, me talking, like, I'm just reading three or four verses, Right? That's, that's a very small part of what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that our relationships with each other is the oneness that declares that Christ is our Savior. And that's the purpose of our life. And, and God should be glorified in that. And, and it's possible. And, and so what, what should we do? We ought to be checking our pursuits and going, am, am I pursuing something for me, am I pursuing something for the Lord? And that's the question for us. And our God is a gracious God. He's given us the power and the ability to do this, and he's praying for us.
That's, that's what's incredible, right? That, that the Son of God actually prayed for you. He prayed for you and you and you, right? And he prayed that you would be one. And so if God is praying this for you, it must mean that he wants it. <laughs> Let me pray.